This week we mostly talked about... (coughs) (coughs) Fuck, all around my eyes. Hello and welcome to episode 53 of the Massive Attack podcast. Tonight, I am Joe, as always. And I'm Mitch. Yes, and we're back a week late, but we were a week late last month, so it kind of works out. But no one missed us. No, I'm sure they didn't. No. All right. Should we explain why we're later than normal? Sure. Why not? Well, you've been... I don't know why. Well, you've been a bit more active than I have. We had the Continuum Convention... Oh, that's right. ...over the Queen's birthday weekend. Don't drink too much, people. Don't. Don't. Just don't. No. You should have kept it session. I should have kept it session, but I didn't. And yeah, you'll lose a wallet when you drunkenly take a tram home at six in the morning. Let that be a lesson to all of you. See, at least when I get shambling drunk, I do it at home and I just fall asleep (laughs) on my laundry floor. I don't do it in public. Public transport. And wallets don't mix. Yes, but other than that, we did get what to... dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> we did get to DJ the costume ball again. Yeah. And much to my chagrin, the modern music that I wanted to play was not popular with the floor. And, and it was, was all... never going to be. No, it was all 80s music. Yes. Well, one of the people I'd asked for was about 80. Yeah. So, yeah. Kind I of mean, it is not your typical dance party. We are talking, it's a, it's a science fiction convention and we get about, at the most, 25 people on the floor at any one time. Probably. Yeah. And I, um, I think we had the most 25 people in the room at once. Yeah, stage. true. So, it's, it's not, I mean, I danced, I don't care. I drank. I kept it a bit more session that day. It was the day before I got really drunk and lost my wallet. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a different crowd. It's yes. hard to read. You do what you can. Yep. And you got to do a panel on Saturday morning cartoons? I did. In a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. That was good. Friend of the show, Julia. She came and saw the Saturday morning cartoon thing we saw at the Aster that we talked about a few episodes ago. And she said, do you want to do a panel about that at the con? It's like, sure. And the problem with that is, you have an hour. What are you going to do? And I think I think your original plan might have been to show cartoons, but we sort of showcased cartoons, more the point. And the spreadsheet we had of cartoons we could talk about under different topics was quite large and I think we can do this panel for a couple of years to come yeah so this this um, panel we um, mostly talked about Scooby-Doo and it's copycats because yep. there are so many copycats like Goober and the Ghost Chasers that's one of them I think we may have mentioned it last month when we talked about Scooby-Doo oh did we? I think so oh, I was probably in a role that's probably what I thought you about you must have been yeah so um, we talked about that then we talked about the Ghostbusters or the real Ghostbusters or Extreme Ghostbusters or Slime and the Real Ghostbusters and the Filmation Ghostbusters and the live-action Ghostbusters from 1973. Which is the one with the gorilla. That's it. That's Ghostbusters. Yes. So we talked about that. Then we did a live-action bit where we talked about Croft's stuff, like Sigmund Sea Monster and uh, H.R. Puffin stuff and Wonderbug and that sort of crazy stuff. And, yeah, we pretty much finished off with Banana Splits. So it seemed to be well-received. Yeah, that was a bit of fun. And there's so much stuff, like our spreadsheet is big and it could be entertaining to do again next year. But mm. you... Popped your continuum cherry. Yes, you have DJ'd, but you haven't actually partook in the convention. Now, this convention is not like a supernova or a comic con. It's, it's a lot more like a conference. Like a yeah, it's a lot less commercial. Yes, like we're talking panels. Like I, I generally, I like to fall back on present presenting with a video instead of just getting up there. But there's a lot of panels where it's just people up the front talking. And there's people in the audience listening. Unfortunately, with science fiction conventions, there is a lot of Shall I say on the spectrum? <laughs> yes, you can. I can say that? Yeah, I'm yeah. sure you can. Uh, who, who don't like to just be 
in the audience, they also like to contribute. That's why I like the video sort of presentations, because it's like, I'm presenting Shut the Fuck Up, <laughs> where when it's the debate slash discussion panel, where you generally have anything from like three to five people up on the front of this panel discussing a topic, where it's sort of like, oh, we're going to talk about this, but there's people in the audience, generally they are smarter than you and know more about this subject, because programmers don't know shit, and they put the wrong people on a panel, but they can't help but contribute, even yeah. though no one's asking. Yeah, so when we did our panel, which was on upcoming movie trailers, very similar to our Great Expectations episode yes. with pictures. Well, pretty much push play on the laptop. <laughs> Here's the next trailer. Here's the next trailer. But yes. But no, I, w- I was a little taken aback at first with the peanut gallery of comments from the from the audience. Mm-hmm. And then you were like, just roll with it. Let it go. Don't, don't engage. You know, don't negotiate with terrorists and you'll be fine. And yeah. it was. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was fun. I mean, uh, that's a very simple panel. Yeah. Like, literally, we are th- showing movie trailers, throw in gag, if, you, if there is one at the end of it, or whatever, and move on. Hmm. Let them, you know, you hit you, you pause, let them get their comments out of the way, and move on to the next one. Now, I must admit, on the night that I did drink on the Friday night, which was, I didn't keep it session, there was a Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice panel, and I knew it was going to be a bunch of people shit-canning the movie. <laughs> so... I may have had a couple of ciders in me before I went and saw this panel. I had my, I was ready to fight before I even went in there, knowing that they're just going to shit can on it. And I, I may have got there ten minutes late because I got drunkenly talking to a friend on the way there. And I turned up, so I don't know what they said in the first ten minutes, but I don't care. I'm sure it was shit. <coughs> I'm sitting there with my friend Rowan, and they're just saying all this stuff up the front, and I am texting. He's sitting next to me, but I'm texting him, angry, swear-filled vitriol of like these people don't know shit. And I knew a few people on the panel, and they know I'm a big Superman fan. And they sort of said, so, about 40 minutes into the panel, so what did you think? It's like, you all missed the point. (laughs) (laughs) I went on this blurt of, like, two-minute rampage of how much they missed the point and what they got it wrong, and this you don't get, this you don't get. It's like, yeah. And then they cut me off. (laughs) Rightfully so, probably. Probably, but at least I put forward valid arguments to the topic of what the panel was meant to be, as opposed to numbnuts, (laughs) redhead ponytail guy, who was like... Oh, I didn't like it. Because Superman, I don't like Superman. It's like, well, don't be on the fucking panel. Be yeah. constructive about what you're talking about. And the other guy who hasn't seen Man of Steel is like, you can't even be constructive <laughs> because you don't have the whole things. You're just a douche. So, All right. Yeah. Well, well, tonight you haven't got a couple of ciders in you, but I'm still going to cut you off on there. Fair enough. That, that's probably enough discussion of what we have been doing as far as the convention. Should we jump back into our normal format? Talk why about not? Game? Why not? Yeah, sure. Well, you mentioned last month when I was talking about playing the new Tomb Raider game that I should borrow Far Cry 3 off you. Uh, yes, I did say that. So I'm now probably about 15 hours, I think, into it, maybe even longer. No, it's probably a lot longer than that. I'm, I think I'm about halfway through the game. You reckon? I don't know. <laughs> I, I've cleared all of the top island and I'm waiting for a way to get to the bottom island. Do you know if you like it yet? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that because when I first played it, it took me a little while to get back into Far Cry. You were going to give it up? I was going to give it up purely for the fact that the first person-ness of it, I was finding it was giving me a bit of motion sickness, especially yep. when I was running because the camera really wobbles around when you're running. I then found when I was trying to drive anywhere, I was falling into the the borderland trap of using the thumbsticks to try and go forward. But in this, it's triggers and the yep. thumbsticks makes you look around. And here I am driving one way and yep. looking the other way and crashing into things. And as you're driving watch, is not your strength. No, <laughs> as you watched the other day when I was playing it, you were like, I don't know why you even bother driving because you crashed so much. <laughs> but I don't know. But yeah, it took me a little while to get into it. But once I did, I'm finding that I am addicted to Far Cry again. Mm-hmm. And I think there was probably a space of about three episodes last year, or maybe even the year before, where 
we would go, what have we been playing? And you would just say, oh, I've been playing Far Cry, I've been playing Far Cry. Yeah. And I can pretty much totally relate to that now. Because it's just this, this little hidden things. Oh, there's a chest around this area somewhere. I must find it. And I, again, I've fallen into that trap where there's a marker on the map and mm-hmm. it's like, well, there's something here. Yeah, I've got to go find it. And a couple of them were actually like underground caves or mm-hmm. something and, and you don't realise that until later on when you find the entrance to the yeah. cave and it takes you back to where the marker was. And so, yeah, digging it. And at first I was underpowered and I only had one weapon and I didn't have the, the holsters to have extra weapons and I was finding, mm-hmm. like, I didn't like that. But now I've got a sniper rifle and a, and a pretty cool grenade launcher and, you know, a decent assault rifles and stuff. So, yeah, I'm digging it. I loved that game. So I played a- it a little bit because you know, I was still doubting it. It's like, give it to me. Let me have a look. And I sniped a, a dog from 200 feet away. It was like, bang, bang, pom, pom, pom. It's like, oh, I just felt like putting on, you know, that comfortable pair of pants, you know, your favorite pair of jeans. It was like, oh, yeah, this game is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, as, as I said, it did take me a little while to get into it, but now that I'm into it, mm-hmm. I'm sold. Yep. I'm liking it. You're lucky you got Far Cry 4 ahead of you. And yeah, exactly. Blood Dragon. Well, I've played probably about half of Blood Dragon. The same principle, though. You've yeah. got to get yeah. past that initial learning phase that yeah. you had to get through. This, yeah. But yeah. Well, other than Far Cry, I was playing a little bit of Grid 2, because that was the Games for Gold freebie last month, I think it was, mm-hmm. which is a racing game made by the same people that make the Dirt games. Only same the people that make Grid? Yes. Oh. Mm. But yeah, I forget the name of the company, but they're the same people that make the Dirt Rally games, which they've also given away most of them for free on the Games for Gold. Mm -hmm. So I've been playing a bit of that. Again, it's quite a difficult racing game. Even on the easiest of settings, you still have to break in the corners. You can't just fang it through everything and and hope for the best. It it actually is a driving simulator more than an arcade type racing game. Thank you. It, it's fun enough, and you're on you're on track, so there's no oncoming traffic. Oh, so perfect. you probably would like, it. yeah, I would. But yeah. But that that's my gaming, and when I say that's my gaming, but yeah, a lot of it has been taken up with playing Far Cry. Yeah. So yes, and yourself? I've gone back to old games, and I, I play nothing but old games anyway. But even older, older. I finished Dead Space Two, which I talked about. I think yep. for the last two probably episodes, and done. And then I was like, oh, I got some DLC I bought on special for Force Unleashed from 2008. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll play that. So <laughs> they're about an hour long each. There were three DLCs, and they like, one's on Hoth, one's on a Jedi Temple, and one's on Tatooine. So hmm. it was kind of funky for what it was. So it was, like, fun to go back to that. And then it's like, speaking of DLC I bought a long time ago, I was like, I never finished Darksiders 2. I love that game. Why didn't I finish that? What happened? So I went in there, and there it was, and there's... Bits of the game I haven't finished yet. So I was like, and I've talked about Darksiders 2 plenty of times on this podcast, so you know what I like about it. I was like, I don't know how I didn't finish it, but yeah, that's where I'm at at the moment. Mm, well, that's good. Yeah. Well, speaking of, of things that were free and stuff, um, Saints Row 4 was actually one of the freebies a couple of months ago too. So maybe once I finish Far Cry, I might have a, a bit of a, a break and go third person for a little bit and yeah. play a bit of Saints Row. Not too sure. Only other gaming thing I will mention is, speaking of older games, we thought we would go back even further in time just recently and we threw Brute Force back in the machine to see if it still holds up. And it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. No, graphically. Like as far as graphically. It was probably on a par, considering it's a, an Xbox original, it was probably on a par with Perfect Dark. And it was like the original game, wasn't it? Like the first game you got with the Xbox? Yeah, it might have been. Like Halo was obviously the launch, I think. I think it was like the alternative for people that didn't want to play Halo. It was that four-player four player squad. Sort yeah. of so it's like the original game. game for the Xbox. Yeah. So not the end of the console, the very start of it. And I thought it was... Because I, I thought it was going to look like a Wii game or something, but it, but it actually looked a lot better than I thought. Yeah, we played a little bit of it, and it kind of made me want to go back to it. But again, more modern things probably. Yeah. 
dragging me away from it. But yes, that's gaming. Mm-hmm. What about TV, Mitch? I, I think you've got a couple of new shows you've picked up this month. No, uh, just the one, and that's Preacher, which is, I don't think I've talked about the comic on the show before. It's a, it's a Vertigo comic, which is a DC imprint. It's, it's incredibly wrong, and it's probably one of the best comic stories I've read ever. It's 60 issues long. It's from the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, I suppose, by Garth Ennis. Yep. And it's pretty damn amazing. So this is a AMC network, I think, show. So the same people who do Walking Dead. I'm one episode in. I think four episodes of Ed, but I'm only one episode in. And I'm intrigued so far. It was a bit slow that first episode, but it's setting the tone. And because this is the problem I'm having with watching things like Flash and Arrow and that when they're p- pulling storylines straight from the comic. Yeah. I'm watching this going, oh, that's this thing or that's this thing. So you sort of know what these references are or where they're going. Going in cold's very different as far as like they could be anything they could be throwaway things they could be nothing but when you know you're sort of hinted at and you go oh that's going to be this thing when's that going to happen and it sort of like can take you out of it a little bit it's it's kind of cool to know all this stuff but then at the same time it's sort of like well it's not going to be a surprise is it yeah because the thing about Preacher is it's a it's a road movie in a sense where the story is the voice of God is an entity which comes down and chooses Jesse Custer who's a preacher and goes into him. It, it tries a few other people first and makes them explode. They can't handle the voice of God and they explode preaching and they sort of take it too far. Where Jesse is, he was a, he has a wayward past or had a wayward past and he becomes a preacher and it starts off with him being the preacher but we don't know at the moment. We don't know his wayward past. Obviously hard drinking and does what he does. He's, he's not very good at being a preacher and all this sort of stuff and he gets this voice of God. He doesn't quite know what it is. He just tells someone to do something and they have to do it basically when I say the voice of God and in the comic it's a bit of a road movie as in he wants to get rid of it he doesn't use it that often it's it's an element in the comic but there's just so many strange weird things that happen throughout that's pretty damn cool now with the TV show from what I'm gathering on the first episode is it's not really a road movie they're setting everything up to be in the town itself like there's things they meet along the way but it's like oh hang on that's the meat factory there and our face has turned up here already in the town so little things that would should happen along the journey all seem to happen in this town so it's a way of keeping the cost down of the show maybe and i'm I'm willing to give it a go i'm not saying they've ruined it but it's just sort of like oh but that's an element of the show that we won't get but Hmm. yeah uh, definitely sticking with it i'll um, get to more of it okay well speaking of amc i have been persisting with walking dead i think last month we were probably up to about season four maybe maybe season three we've now progressed to about halfway through season five and i think it's hit a little bit of a lull yep we've got to a, a season where there's no real bad guy and the team have kind of been split up and it's a bit all over the place but from people that I've I've spoken to that have seen all of it, they say persist with it. It's probably worth it. Yeah. So yeah, we it was slowly getting there, but it's not it's not must see television that the other seasons were. And speaking of Robert Kirkman and the spin offs of Walking Dead, he's got a new show called Outcast yep. that they're showing here on Foxtel. Hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. No. yeah, funny it was that good. No. My wife and I got about halfway through. Check it. Maybe not even halfway through the first episode. And just found it a bit too disturbing, so we didn't continue it. Disturbing? Yeah, it was about this young kid that was having flashbacks of when he was... Well, actually, he was a teenager, but he was having flashbacks to when he was a young kid and his parents used to beat him and lock him in a cupboard. And my wife's like, no, I don't think this show's for me. Mm -hmm. So we gave up on that. 
But we have been sidetracked because Foxtel have been showing a, a bit of a marathon of old seasons of Great British Bake Off. Mm-hmm. Instead of having to wait every week to see a new episode. Yeah, Doc Hollywood and... Paul Hollywood. Doc Hollywood and... Skeletor. Yeah. Yes, but they've, they've shown season three and we're now on season five. I don't know what happened to season four. It just got lost in the ether. We don't talk about season four. But yeah, no, they're, they're showing... Don't, just don't bring right. it up. But yeah, an episode a night, so we've gone through a season and a half and a couple of weeks of that, so that's good. Mm-hmm. And there is a new Australian science whoa, fiction whoa, whoa. show. Can we... Wait, wait, let's go back to the Bake Off. Okay. Now, at the convention, while we're at the convention, on the Sunday night after our panel, yep. I got a message saying that we've been invited by my friends for scones the next day. Scones. Scones. And this has started a bit of a debate, which went onto Facebook and got a bit of, a bit of momentum going. Yes. Now, we we were invited out to scones. Not Devonshire tea, but we talked about Devonshire tea going, all right, one, we did get on the pronunciation of scones. 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 And then we got onto the whole, I don't know how, but we got onto the whole Devonshire tea thing and the putting the cream down and the putting jam down and then the cream on top. And then you're saying, no, you put the cream first. Exactly. And then the jam on top. And I was like, God damn it. And... A traditional Devonshire tea, or a, a cream tea that they call it in the Shire of Devon, <laughs> you have clotted cream, and you put the clotted cream on the warm scone, and then you put your jam on top of the cream. And what did Rob say? When I, I actually asked you to cite your sources, and your sources were Wikipedia, but I, and he actually took it that I was asking him to cite his sources. He's, he lived in Devon for 20 years, and he puts the jam on first, so that's good enough for me. All right, well, <laughs> doing a bit more investigation of this matter... When I hashtagged it cream first, and then I went and had a look at the hashtag of cream first, there was lots of polls on Twitter where people were voting whether you should do cream first or not. And apparently, traditionally, in the Shire of Cornwall, which is just a bit further south than Devon, which incidentally where I was born, not Wales, <laughs> they do put jam first Cornwall, mm-hmm. but cream first in Devon. Mm-hmm. So a true Devonshire tea has the cream first and then jam, only strawberry jam, none of this other blackberry, <laughs> raspberry, anything like that, clotted cream with jam on top. Okay. So if you are having a true Devonshire tea, it's cream first. All right. Glad we got that out there. <laughs> And it, had to be discussed. And it's scones, scones, not scones. But it did lead us into the whole, uh, what was it, bun fight at the OKT yes. Rooms goodies episode? Because that's how it escalates from the scones and scones. Yes. I can't even remember which side Tim Brooke Taylor was on. I'm, I'm sure he was a scones person. I, I dare say, yes. From one of the posts on our Facebook when we were talking about it by our friend Alex, he mm. said it's a northern-southern thing in England. So if you're a southern person, you would say scones, and if you're a northern person, you would say scones. Well, I'm northern. You must be, because mm. you're a heathen. <laughs> but anyway. What's that, Hadrian's Wall? <laughs> well, that'd make you Scottish, and they'd probably pronounce it completely different. Scores. <laughs> exactly. They wouldn't eat scones, they'd eat oat cakes. Really? Probably. There you go. All right, Great British Bake Off. But yes, as I was trying to say, following on from the Great British Bake Off, I started watching a new Australian science fiction kind of pseudo-political show called Clever Man. Yes, I'm I'm intrigued. Well, so far, there's probably been about four episodes by the time this gets posted, but I've only watched the initial pilot. Mm -hmm. And it's based on indigenous sort of mythology from the dream time. Mm-hmm. kind of turned into a superhero show. well superhero pseudo political anti treatment of refugees type program based on what's been going on in Sydney with the refugees and the racism and stuff I kind of liked it yep. 
the effects were a bit shitty and that kind of put me off. There's, they refer to these group of people as the hairy people or the hairies and the costumes of the hairies look like just people with hair sticky taped to their arms. It's done by Weta. Well, yeah, and I was about to mention that it was done by Weta and I would have thought it would have been better. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, it was enough to make me stay focused on that one episode, but I haven't gone back. Yeah, I'm definitely keen. I mean, people are talking about it and I do want to see it. Yeah, it, it's got a really good cast as well as having Ian Glenn who is from Game of Thrones who was probably the worst character in it. He was uh, Daenerys' offsider, Basil Exposition. I really like him, but you don't. No, he, was, he wasn't very good. I'd, see, I don't think he's good in Game of Thrones I and don't. I, I don't think he's good in Clever Man either. Okay. He plays kind of this sleazy television general manager sort of person and it comes across very sleazy but maybe that's just yeah. it uh we've got other australian legendary actors andrew mccarthy isn't it from mm-hmm. flying doctors yep um deborah mailman a few other people the main characters in it are, i i think a young up-and-coming unknown type actors but yep. yeah it, it was it was intriguing but as i said i haven't gone back to it but then i've been spending a lot of my free time playing far cry and watching great british back off <laughs> so, yep. yeah but that, that's my television cool have you been seeing films? I've been to the cinema once. Yep. And we're going to have one of those discussions where there was a movie that you thought was really good that I then went and saw and thought it wasn't very good. And that's X-Men Apocalypse. Now, yep. there was bits of this movie I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. But I just found that sitting through it for two and a half hours to get to those good bits, there just wasn't enough goodness mm-hmm. mixed in with the mediocrity. No, did I say it was really good? Or did I say it felt like an X-Men film? Well, you said it felt like an X-Men exactly. film. And you said it was enjoyable. Yeah. And bits of it were. The bits with anything to do with Magneto, I thought, was great. Mm-hmm. There just wasn't enough of him in it. Yep. I thought the bit with Quicksilver was kind of good. But I didn't like the song that they put it to, which kind of distracted from it. Sweet Dreams by the Eurythmics. And I just don't like the Eurythmics. Yeah, I know. So like that, that was just biased against the Eurythmics, yeah, I think. Yeah. But I thought his scene where he was like filmed in slow motion with him running around yeah. saving people at the mansion was really well done. Mm-hmm. I thought there was enough little nods to the other X-Men movies, yet they completely deviated from the old, um, was it Brian Singer storylines and all that sort of stuff yep. of the original the trilogy original, of the okay, X-Men. Yep. And there was one bit I thought was quite funny where they went to a movies and I think they were going to see Return of, the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. And one of the characters is like, oh, the, the third one of the trilogy is always the worst one or something. And I was thinking, well, that's kind of a dig at X-Men 3, but it also it's that's true for, for yeah. this, really. And yeah, the, the bits of it, I thought Apocalypse himself was a bit too hammy. I thought it was pretty good. And I didn't realise it was Oscar Isaacs until the credits at the end. Man, mm. because he's now turning up in every movie Everything. ever made. Yep. But yeah, I don't know. Like I went to the cinema to see it, but I kind of thought it may have been something I could have waited. Yeah, to see it, it doesn't feel big. I, I think I said that last time. It yeah. doesn't feel like it's a big movie. It doesn't feel important like a Batman or a Civil War. It just, it just is. And I said it probably cost like $150 million. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't feel special for whatever reason. Like, it's, it doesn't look cheap. Like, there's bits of it where the effects, you look at it and think, yeah, they've spent yeah, money but it just doesn't... You don't get it... You don't walk away going, wow. Yeah. There's not enough wow to it for whatever reason. I don't know what it is. But it feels very X-Men-y. Like, if you grew up watching the cartoon, the serial nature of it, the, the soap opera nature, or even reading the comics, it feels like that. Yeah. It doesn't feel like... Yeah, it's not an epic movie like yeah. the X, uh, the uh, the Avengers or anything yeah, like it, that. I don't know. There's just something about it just doesn't feel big enough for whatever reason. I don't know. Yep. And then the next night after we went to the movies, we were sitting around at home thinking of something to watch. And we realised that we haven't seen Deadpool yet. And Deadpool's actually now on Movies on Demand on Foxtel. So I watched Deadpool. You hadn't seen it before? No. I missed how, it at the cinema. How good is that? It is. It, it kind of restored my faith in comic book movies. Yep. Plus because it's got it's, Ryan Reynolds. And it feels, it feels epic in a way. 
but it's, it's a much smaller story. It's not yep. trying to tell a big story. It's not worlds, you know, buildings and cities being destroyed. It's just an awesome little film with the greatest of actor of our generation. Exactly. And it was a very kind of personal story. It wasn't him saving the world. It was just him saving his girlfriend. Yep. And, you know, avenging wrongs that were done to him. But no, I, two of your favourite people in it. Exactly. TJ Miller and Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. But no, I liked it. I, I thought it was, it was well done. I loved the fact that it was that... You know, breaking the fourth wall and talking to the camera and just the little in-jokes. Like, I mean, there's gags. This is the problem with, like, looking at the new Ghostbusters movie. The gags don't look funny. Like, in the trailer, where this movie looked genuinely funny. And I was... I remember when I was watching going, I couldn't tell you the last time I saw a comedy, especially at the cinemas. Yeah. Like a Zoolander or Dodgeball or something like that. Like, I couldn't... When have I gone out of my way to go to the cinemas to watch a comedy? Like, I've gone and watched, you know, all the tenpole movies when it comes to, like, superheroes and all that sort of stuff. But I don't think I've gone out of my way ever since, like... I used to go to the movies a lot more before my son was born. But now you've got to pick and choose which movies you go and see. And comedies just no. aren't getting a go. It's probably because comedies are something you can just wait till it yeah. comes on and watch it on DVD or whatever. But this is one of the funniest movies I've seen in a very long time. Yeah, it, it has. It's a comic book movie, but it's damn, damn funny. And it was cleverly funny. Mm. And there was an, enough sort of inside jokes and stuff like that and references to other things to, to keep you going. Yeah. And yeah, I, I really liked it. And other than that, the rest of my watching has mainly been dinosaur related because as I mentioned last month, my five-year-old is just now dinosaur mad and he's decided that he wants to see the Jurassic Park movies even though he hadn't said... Well, he, it started he wanted to see Jurassic World. So I decided that maybe I should watch Jurassic World first just to make sure that it was okay for him to see. Yep. So I sat down and watched Jurassic World because, again, that was on Foxtel. And after watching it, I was thinking, well, there's a couple of bits in this I'm not sure if a five-year-old will really like. Mm -hmm. And then when we actually watched it with him, the bits that we were most worried about, he was most excited about. Like, there's a scene near the end of the film where pteranodons and pterodactyls fly down and start picking people up out of the crowd. Mm -hmm. And we were like, well, this might be a bit scary for him. He loved it. He was cheering for the dinosaurs the whole time. And, yeah, he really got into it. So after that, we then went back and we watched Jurassic Park, the original. That's a lot of shit. It's Jurassic Park 3, wasn't it? I don't know. There is a shit reference in Jurassic Park 1. I I found the disturbing parts of Jurassic Park 1 weren't the scariness of the dinosaurs. It was more just Jeff Goldblum wandering around with a shirt without a shirt on. That's pretty dreamy. Yes. Um... Yeah, I don't know. He really enjoyed Jurassic Park. I had seen bits of Jurassic Park when it first came out. I'd never actually sat down and watched the whole movie. You haven't? No. So, I remember seeing the bit where the kids are hiding in the kitchen and the velociraptors chasing them, thinking, yeah, this might be a bit much. And again, he loved it. Yep. And then there's a bit at the end, spoilers for a movie that's come out 20 years ago, but there's a bit at the end where the kids are getting chased by the velociraptors and then the T-Rex comes in and bites one of the velociraptors and my son just went nuts. It was like he was watching wrestling and someone, you know, the the face did the run-in and saved them from the heel. that'd be a deus rex? It would be. Uh, Ah. uh, So, yes, but... That he really loved, and then we decided we wouldn't watch Jurassic Park 2 because it's just rubbish, mm-hmm. from all accounts, and we watched Jurassic Park Which 3. Which you hate! Well, I, I remember hating it, yep. and I remember watching it again this weekend, thinking, yeah, I can see why I hated it, but <laughs> there was a lot of people in it that I don't remember them being in it, like William H. Macy T-Leon. and T. Leone, I don't remember them being in it. But yeah, I found them just as annoying as I did originally. I, I still feel that Jurassic Park 3 is a ran until I stopped, and, but there's a, a fight scene between a Tyrannosaurus Rex and a Spinosaurus that probably... Like a made-up dinosaur. No, it's not such thing as a Spinosaurus. Spinosaurus, it's the biggest carnivore. Oh, I've never heard of it. Anyway, but there's a fight Doesn't scene exist. between these two dinosaurs and again it's pretty full on and my wife and I are like 
you know, is he going to be all right with this? And she was all like, oh, do you want to come and sit up on my lap just in case we get scared? And he was cheering and jumping up and down going, it's a Spinosaurus, he's killing it, and all this sort of stuff. So, yeah, he was really into it. No, so I, I think, I, I mean, I didn't mind. I, I go into every movie one to like, and I went into Jurassic Park 3 going, yeah, I want to like this, and I didn't mind it. I came away and then you guys went and saw it and you hated it. But well, um, Admittedly, I was incredibly hungover when I saw Jurassic Park 3, and... I possibly may have fallen asleep in the middle of the movie because watching it again this weekend, there was bits that I don't remember at all. But the one thing that I took away that I loved was the scene of Pterodactyl coming through the mist. Yeah. And it just looked awesome. We're sort of walking and it comes through the mist. It's like, yeah, that was cool. So that's all I remember out of that whole movie yeah and that's but, the, but the whole movie bit is the that they're being chased by this spinosaurus and they keep hearing the phone ringing yeah but this is the croc from um, what's Peter Pan yeah but that that's the spinosaurus anyway okay well it's Peter so, Pan yeah so tick tock tick and then they go walking through the pile of poo to get the phone back out. And again, my five-year-old just loved that because he is all about... His favorite thing the Well, speaking of that, we recently found a book called Jurassic Farts. <laughs> and it's this little kid's book that has this story about dinosaurs and a little sound thing on the side of it with numbers. And each page you press a number and it tells you what this dinosaur's <laughs> fart would have sounded like. And he loves it. It's just, again, his two favorite things in the world, farts and dinosaurs. <laughs> So if you have a child that's in that sort of, actually my my nine year old likes it as well. So if you've got a an under ten child that appreciates fart humour, I think you would probably like Jurassic Farts. Cool. But anyway, and yeah, my only other dinosaur movie was The Land Before Time, the original. There's about nineteen of them now. Isn't I there? think so. I've not seen one. No, I hadn't either. All I remembered was the Happy Meal toys from back mm. in the nineties when it came out. Remembering the uh, cute little rubber finger puppets. Mm. Watching it again, I didn't realise it was Don Bluth that did the animation and mm-hmm. directed it. And he is you know, one of those legendary animators that did Pete's Dragon and the animated scene that's in the middle of Xanadu. Oh yeah. So yes, he was quite a famous animator of the day. And yeah. yeah, it's it's his animation and produced by Steven Spielberg, I think. I so, think so. Yeah, yeah some big names. Yeah. But yes, compared to watching Land Before Time and then watching Jurassic World, I, I should say I actually enjoyed Jurassic World more than I thought I would. It, it was a fun film. I mean, yeah, I did no more than that, but it was just fun. Chris Pratt was good. Yes. He was very much similar to his character in Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I liked it. But anyway, that's that's my movies. Cool. I don't have any report. I, I, you sent me the run sheet and I'll add movies in and I can't tell you a movie I saw in the last three weeks. I don't think I've seen any. Hmm. Haven't watched much TV, obviously. I mean, I've watched TV, but nothing worth talking about. But I, but I don't think I've seen a film. Okay. Well, we might take this opportunity to talk something that we talk every now and then. Mm. And maybe we should jump into some comics. There's been a couple of big things happening in the comic world. Well, uh, yeah. DC, well, Marvel are doing a Civil War. Bit of a tie-in, I guess, with the movie coming out at the moment. But they did a, a Civil War comic about six, seven years ago, maybe more, where it was Captain America versus Iron Man, where they got the inspiration for the movie from, and they've got a Civil War 2 storyline going on at the moment, and it's actually Iron Man versus Captain Marvel, which is the Carol Danvers version, which I have not read any and don't really care. I mean, I'll be, next time I get to the comic shop, I'll have a bunch of issues of Avengers waiting for me, so I'll sort of, I'm sure I'll catch up to date on those when I get there, but I'm not really in a hurry. I don't really care. I remember that when the original Civil War run came out, Yep. There was a lot of tie-ins, and it was kind of like you had your your main Civil War book, and it was this story's finished off in you know this, no, there, there, there was, this is in well Civil War was the main book. Imagine the Michael Bay version of the movie was Civil War. So there were six or seven issues of Civil War, one a month for seven, and the Captain America was a tie-in, the Iron Man comic had a tie-in, all of it was tied into it. But the main story sort of took place in this one book. 
but it was very bare bones, like I said, a Michael Bay version. Like mm. it was all the bombasticness without fleshing anything out. And the and the marketing for the Civil War originally was whose side are you on? And it was like, are you on Captain America's side? Are you on Iron Man's side? And it was the movie. Yeah, and then well, it was a Captain America movie. It was always going to be skewed towards Captain America. Yeah, where I'm always Captain Iron Man because yeah. That's me. But I was the same way in, in the Civil War. It was meant to be bipartisan in the fact that there's like, there are two views here. You could take one or the other. But I don't think he just couldn't help it. Mark Miller, who wrote it, I think he was just skewed at Captain America's way. I was like, but it's not that bad. But there was a book they brought out called Frontline, which was set in the Marvel Universe. It was a tie-in purely for this with Ben Ulrich, which is the a reporter for the Daily Bugle. And he was doing a report on this. So it was following this, you know, guy with no powers, just a reporter in the Marvel Universe, sort of, this shit's going down, and he's, it's his story throughout it. This was fantastic. And this had, and he actually got an interview with Tony Stark in it. You know, he's okay. talking to Tony Stark, and he's getting his point of view, and, and this book told Tony's side so much better than the Civil War main book did. And it's like, yeah, Tony's got a point, where if you just read the Civil War and that's it, Tony comes across an asshole the whole time. Okay. So it's just like, yeah, there was a lot of ancillary books that were involved that you didn't have to read everything but they obviously want you to because it sells more books but um, yeah that that's what it was at the time from what I remember though Namor had quite a big role in the original Civil War didn't it? I can't remember yeah but he's not in the movie though no I mean it's, it's based purely on these two guys going head to head there's nothing yeah. else as to why you know it's, it's very different otherwise but it's the same problem you know Spider-Man is a toy in the middle but that's it but that's the Marvel thing but DC is sort of having a bit of a thing at the moment called Rebirth now what happened oh, five years ago I think it was it was a an event called Flashpoint where the Flash went back in time to save his mother from being killed and inadvertently created the Flashpoint universe which changed everything and in doing that and that ran for a couple of issues this Flashpoint and then out, coming out of Flashpoint the New 52 happened which was when they sort of did a reboot of the DC universe with yep. all new versions of Superman and this and when I say new versions are different versions yeah alternate timeline versions but, and at that stage I jumped on a few titles of the New 52 I think I was reading Earth 2 for quite a few issues yep. and Animal Man mm-hmm. and Swamp Thing I think I was reading for a little while but then yeah. I kind of fell off the bandwagon that's right the book's didn't last very long anyway. No. Yeah, so Rebirth is a soft reboot back to the old universe sort of like thing. Yeah, so in that Flashpoint sort of storyline that happened, so you've got Wally West who's one of the Flashes. He's been stuck in the Time Force for a while and he's sort of... this. There's a book called Rebirth, and it's a one-off. A one and he's sort of coming back saying, everything's wrong. It's not right. There's still something wrong. And he's trying to... And he keeps appearing to people like he appeared to Batman. He's appeared to all these different characters, and they're not remembering who he is. And when they forget, when they don't remember who he is, he sort of zaps, zaps back into the, fl- the time force. And he, in the end, he, he meets up with Barry Allen, the current Flash, and he remembers who he is. And it's his uncle and stuff. And it's like, Wally, and they touch, and then bang, he pulls him out of the speed force. And the, the universe is sort of rebooted again into this rebirth and going forward. So they've killed off the new 52 Superman, but it's the same universe that we're used to. But what happened is the Clark Kent slash Superman Lois Lane from the regular post-crisis that we've had for the last 25 years, Superman, he got pulled out of the multiverse and is in, our, in the current new 52 Earth. And he's been, you know, working in the shadows in the background just watching. And the current Superman dies. So Superman 
that we know is sort of go, oh, well, I came back from the dead. He'll come back from the dead. And okay. he's pretty much dead. <laughs> so he's not going to come back. So he goes, fuck, he's not coming back. This world needs a Superman. I'm going to come back. So we sort of get our Superman that we're used to sort of coming back. So I'm intrigued and I'm going forward. I'm going to actually, I, I sort of dropped off the Superman for a while, but I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm intrigued by this new version. So I'm going to keep going forward. So. And is he wearing his undies on the outside again? No. I mean, everyone's sort of going, come on, just, just put the undies on. It just fills out the suit better. It's like when it's all blue, it's just, it's too much. I, but getting into that, it sort of got me into comics again. And the thing is, reading this DC Rebirth, because they went to a bunch of different characters, I'm like, yeah, this is what I love about comics. I forgot, because I read comics. I read, I've read comics for a long time. And lately, comics are reading more like movies or TV shows and things like that, where they're written for a trade paper, so they're collected in six issues. They're doing all this sort of thing. But when I got into comics, I'd love you read a comic and said, oh, check out this other comic issue, whatever, to see the rest of the story, or this takes place... 14 issues ago or something like that. And it just made you feel you're reading something bigger. Like, I'm reading something, but this part of a bigger picture. Yeah. And that's what this book felt like. It reminded me, oh, yeah, comics were a thing. And it's a shared universe thing. And and it's a bigger picture. And I love that feeling where they were aping movies. Comics could do what movies couldn't until recently. And now movies can do it. So I was like, oh, we're getting that now. But it's like, well, what it can't do is this shared universe thing as well. But the TV is getting, like, with Arrow and Flash and Supergirl all crossing over. TV is getting there, but... like comics can make it work so this this had a feeling that was nostalgic for me that made me excited so i've been getting sort of back into comics and reading things again so something that i have enjoyed is kaiju max i've only read the first issue so far but it's it's a maximum security prison for giant monsters sounds good yeah so it's it's tongue-in-cheek and fun but it's funny and it's sort of like oz meets godzilla yeah it's it's fun. Like, it's it's quite cartoony in the artwork and stuff. And, you know, as you've got your sections, you know, instead of the Hispanics, the gays, the Nazis or whatever, you've got your kaijus or the Japanese ones. You've got mechas, which are the robots. And So it's kind of like what Pacific Rim should have been, only better. Oh, uh, well, yeah. Imagine, yeah. Like I said, it's only the first issue so far, but it's quite quirky and fun. So I will get back to more. Um, there's Bandette, which I've been reading, which is a French... It's an American comic, but it's set in Paris, and it's about this, I suppose you'd say she was a teenage girl who's this, like, bandit thief, but she's got this moral code, and she's got all these people that work for her, and she sort of works against the police, but with the police, and she loves chocolate bars, and she's got a chihuahua. It's just, it's lovely, I suppose is the best way to describe it. It's just really quirky and fun, and it's just, it's just... Yeah, it's quite quite funny. And there's Renato Jones' One Percent. It's it's Batman in a way. It's a one percenter who's basically taking down other one percenters. Like he he was the, of the one percent, and then he realised this is corrupt and a bad system, so he's taking it down. Is it's by Curry Andrews, who's one of my favourite artists, and he's a writer artist on it. And, and one issue down so far, and it's interesting. But yeah, I'll keep you informed if it's any good. And something that DC are doing, not only are they doing Rebirth at the moment, they're owned by Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers owns Hanna-Barbera so, and their products. So yeah. they're revamping a lot of the Hanna-Barbera products for comics. And one they're doing, which I'm not interested in, is Scooby-Doo, but yeah. they're setting it in an apocalyptic or post-apocalyptic world. <laughs> <laughs> where they're fighting zombies and I just don't care they've hipped it up even more shaggy like he's got like a twirly moustache and a <laughs> big beard and Fred's got tribal tattoos on the sleeves and it's just yeah it's just I don't care unnecessary yeah it's just whatever but there's two comics that they I am interested in. One is the Wacky Raceland, which is Mad Max meets the Wacky Races. Yeah, you showed me some pictures from this, and it looks pretty damn good. It, it, it's, it's, I'm intrigued. Where you've, it's, it's not 
It's not kitty, that's for sure. It's literally post-apocalyptic wasteland where a voice has grabbed all these people at their lowest point, like when they're going to die, and given them a car, and they race. The pod race in Phantom Menace or something like that. But the cars have characters, got AIs, so they talk. And then you've got Muttley, which doesn't look like Muttley. It looks like a realistic dog, but it's cybernetic. <laughs> like Donima. Essentially. But um, we'll get on to that. And Penelope pissed up, and they're all there. The Arkansas Chuggalug or whatever it's called. They're, yeah. It's, they're there. It's all the elements from the show, from the cartoon, but they've transported into this realistic post-apocalyptic wasteland. And it's like... So it, it's got me in. I'm, I'm, by the next one, I'll keep reading it. I'm just intrigued as to how this thing is happening and why, but I, I dig it. And another one they're doing is Future Quest, which is a lot of the Hanna-Barbera adventure cartoons from the 60s, 70s sort of meshing together. So it's got Johnny Quest and Zen on Earth with Johnny Quest and the scientist dad of Johnny is investigating these portals that keep opening in the world and he's predicting where they're going to open next and it's like things are coming through what are they going to be and in that those portal and then there's also another element there it's the origin of Space Ghost oh that's cool and so you've got Johnny Quest and the Space Ghost and he comes through and you've got the Herculoids and Birdman Dynama all that oh, coming cool. together in this mash mashup of, a, yeah. of, of an adventure and it's like that's bloody cool so yeah these are the comics that are getting me excited at the moment are based on cartoons that I watched in my, in my youth and I must admit that I got into comics originally my very first time getting into comics was buying the Transformers comic because it was like more Transformers for me. Well, we've probably got to the stage now where people sort of our age that were watching these cartoons when they were kids are now, you know, comic book writers and artists. Well, no, this is older than that. This is way older than that. Wacky Races probably because it wasn't that sort of... 70s, man. 70s? Yeah, Yeah, so we're talking older. We've got 25-year-olds writing comics. We are old. Yes. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know know why and how, but yeah, um, I don't know who this is for, but besides me. But yeah, I'm intrigued, so I'm buying into that. So I can recommend those two so far. So yeah, that's about it. Well, speaking of reading, Mm -hmm. you actually lent me a novel to read. Yep. And this goes to show what a short attention span I have. I started reading it and Mm -hmm. I got two chapters in and I thought to myself, yeah, I'm really digging this book, but I'd rather be playing Far Cry or watching other things. And then I realized that we're in a a land of wonderful technology. So I got myself the audio book. So I've now just finished the audio book of Ready Player One by Ernest Cline. Mm -hmm. He was a screenwriter that decided that he should write himself a novel. And Ready Player One was his first novel. And it's based around a video game designer who's recently died and he had designed a game that kind of is a bit of an MMO, kind of a bit like Second Life. So it's kind of Second Life, World of Warcraft all rolled into one. Yep. And pretty much everyone in this dystopian future spends all of their life playing this game called The Oasis. And when the designer dies in his will, he announces that there is an Easter egg hidden in the Oasis and the first player that finds it gets his inheritance, which is like worth millions of dollars. Yep. And yeah, it's a, it's the designer himself was, it's set in the future and the designer himself was very much obsessed with the eighties. Yeah. So there is a lot of eighties pop culture references. Yeah. And I went through a stage where I was swinging wildly between the fact that I thought there was too many references and it was all reference and no substance. Yep. But then I kind of realised that it would be nothing without the references, and just the the amount of references in it is really cool. And they're all kind of stuff that I'm into, you're into. There's references to Highlander, there's video game references, you know, Family Ties, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, no, no, and no, just a yep. bunch of stuff. But as I said, yeah, I was really enjoying the book, but I was just struggling to find time to read it. And then I found the audiobook, which is narrated by Will Wheaton. 
Yeah. And I I burnt through that in a couple of days. Is that the only version? I don't know. That was the only one I found. Like that was on Audible. 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 Yeah, and he's actually done a sequel called Armada, which, well, actually not a sequel, his second novel is called Armada, and that's kind of sounds a bit like The Last Starfighter. Okay. And it's about a guy that was playing a space shoot 'em up video game, and the protagonist in it comes down and pretty much like Last Starfighter says, well, this is the training for the real thing, and gives him a fighter, and he goes off into space. And again, the audiobook for that one's we're waiting as well. Oh, so it's, it's out? Yeah. Oh, okay. So Ready Player One's probably came out about... Three, four years ago? Actually, and Spielberg's been, making a movie of it. Yeah, mm. and TJ Miller's rumoured to be in it. Oh. But yeah, I, I would highly recommend it. Based on the fact that it is everything we like, just the references. There was a few things that there's references to that I'm not a huge fan of. Like there's a lot of reference to the band Rush, oh. which I don't know a lot it's about. It's a very, yeah, North American thing. Yeah, but the, the game's references, the fact that, you know, the, the programmer himself grew up with a, a TRS-80 and, you know, these sort of Commodore 64s and stuff like that and the early Ataris. And there's a lot of references to playing those games, arcade games, 80s movies, yep. Monty Python, you name it. Anything that was cool in the 80s, there's probably a reference in this book. And I, I dug it. I really enjoyed it. So, yeah, I'd hardly recommend that. Cool. And now that I've given you the novel back, you can try and read it. And like me, if you have no attention span, you can get the audiobook. I but might anyway. just do that. Yes. Well, that's probably us for the month. I think so. We nice haven't short. done a lot this month. No. Because we've been busy with real life. Losing wallets. Yes. Throwing up. Mm. Falling down. Doing fun stuff. But didn't anyway. fall down. Didn't you? No. Are you sure? You've got an hour missing, haven't you? That's true. My knee was sore. <laughs> mm. But anyway. All right. That's us. If you have any feedback for us, definitely jump on the Facebook. We are facebook.com slash the Massive Attack Podcast. You can find us all the places you find podcasts. Email us, do what you like, listen to the show. Five-star rating on iTunes. Yeah, it's been a long time since we had an iTunes rating, so it's probably time that someone got on there and did it again. That'd be nice. It would. And until next month... Uh-huh. Thank you, Mitch. No worries. And good night. Bye-bye. One, two, three, uh. My baby don't mess around because she loves me so and this I know for sure.
the news. Shake it, shake it, baby doll. Shake it on the floor. 